Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. What's so marvelous is Romans 8 shows us that Christ, as the spirit of life, comes into us and he dispenses himself as life into our whole being. We are happy once again to welcome you to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. This is a program provided by Living Stream Ministry in Anaheim, California. Witness Lee was a faithful servant of Christ for more than 70 years before going to be with the Lord he loved in 1997. He labored with Watchman Nee in China before coming to this country in 1962, and he began this life study of the Bible in 1974. We're able to bring you excerpts of those original spoken messages of this classic study of Romans. And we're always pleased to have Ed Marks with us to explore these marvelous messages from Romans. Ed, this life study series is really unique, isn't it? Yes, it is unique, and I would just like to mention to our listeners that uh, what we see in Romans and what we see from this wonderful life study is that Romans shows us the complete salvation of God. And a key verse uh, in the book of Romans is Romans 5.10, which tells us that on the one hand, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. But this verse goes on to say that there's much more to the Christian life. And this much more is that we are saved in his life. This verse shows us the complete salvation of God. On the one hand, we're redeemed objectively. But then the Lord goes on after we're redeemed to save us in his life. That means he dispenses himself as life into our entire being to make us men of life for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, this is the complete salvation of God in Romans, and this is what this wonderful life study unveils to us. Ed, I think there is a fairly solid understanding of the first part of this full, complete salvation, and we had some wonderful messages on that earlier in the life study of Romans. But we're coming now really to the second part of the book, which really is this second half of the verse you mentioned, being saved in his life. Right. We're going to look today at the contrast between the portrait that Paul paints in Romans chapter 7 and the much brighter picture that we have in chapter 8. Give us a very quick review of the situation in Romans 7. Yes, in Romans 7, what we see is a person in bondage in the flesh by the sin that indwells him. Uh, what we've seen in previous broadcast is that although Romans 7 describes the condition of an unsaved person, Mostly all Christians pass through this experience after they're saved. And what we see in Romans 7 is that the law of God outside of us makes demands on us. 
and there's a law in our mind, which is the law of good, which wants to do good and correspond to the law of God. But Romans 7 says, whenever we try to do good, evil is right there with us, dragging us down. This is the law of sin and death in our flesh. So at the end of Romans 7, Paul says, wretched man that I am, who can save me from the body of this death? Then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That brings us into Romans 8, where we see the wonderful, liberating, vivifying, life-giving law of the spirit of life in our spirit that frees us from the law of sin and death. Uh, This brings us to Romans 8, which is uh, what this program is about today. It really is a much brighter picture, isn't it? Yes, much brighter and and full of hope, and we'll see we'll see how wonderful it is as Brother Lee shares in this broadcast. Let's join Witness Lee for this life study. It is clear that uh, in the first six verses of chapter eight, we have the freeing law of the spirit of life. Then from verse seven through. Verse 13, it's very hard for you to uh, get the central point. If we would get into it, we will see the concept within Paul was that he was trying to tell us that uh, something other than sin takes is lodging within us. In chapter 7, Paul said, if what he does not will, yet he does, it is no more he that does it. But sin that dwells or that makes home or takes large in him. As we have seen, chapter 8 is in contrast with chapter 7. Right? Chapter 7 has the bondage. Chapter 8 has the freedom. Chapter 7 has the law. Chapter 8 has the spirit. Right? Chapter 7 has our flesh. Chapter 8 has our spirit. Now, chapter 7 has the indwelling sin. Then, what is indwelling in chapter 8? This is Christ. You see? The indwelling Christ. In chapter 7, you have the indwelling sin. Now, in chapter 8, all the blessedness comes from another indwelling factor. And this indwelling factor is just the indwelling Christ. But, listen to this. If Christ is not a spirit, he could never indwelling us. He got to be a spirit that he could dwell within us. So, in this portion, just seven verses, you can see at least three or four synonyms are interchangeably used. Firstly, you have the spirit of God. Then you have the spirit of Christ. Then you have Christ himself. Right? Then you have the indwelling spirit. Three or four synonyms 
are interchangeably used. And this not only indicates, but also proves that Christ is the indwelling spirit. In verse 2, you have the spirit of life. He is the spirit of life. He is the spirit of God. Of course, he is also the spirit of Christ as the indwelling spirit in us to impart himself all the day as life to us. Not only life to us in our spirit, but also life to us in our mind. Even the more life to us in our mortal bodies. And this is why he is now the fourfold life. He is life <laughs> with fourfold riches. Praise the Lord. My, I tell you, this is the central point of this portion of seven verses. Christ as the indwelling spirit is life to us with fourfold riches. It's so rich to sustain our spirit. It's so rich to supply our mind. It's so rich to enliven our mortal bodies. My, this is the very life today we are enjoying. Ed, we're looking at a passage of Scripture that can be a little unsettling if we're trying to know the Bible in a purely academic way. Because in this short portion in Romans 8, the Spirit is mentioned at least three or four times, but each time with a different title. Maybe you could read this passage for us and then comment on what Witness Lee has described as, and I like this title, the fourfold riches of the indwelling Spirit. Yes, uh, firstly, Romans A2 uses the term the spirit of life. And then if we come to verses 9 through 11, I'd like to read these to just to help the listener. It says, You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Yet if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not of him. Then verse 10 says, But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Then verse 11 goes on to say, And if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, eventually this one who raised Jesus from the dead, he gives life to our mortal bodies. So if we look at all these verses, we find terms used for the Spirit and for Christ interchangeably. What this shows us is that the Spirit of life is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is Christ, and Christ is the Spirit of the One who gives life to our mortal body. So all these terms are used interchangeably. Basically, what this shows us is that Christ is the Spirit who indwells us, giving life to our entire tripartite being. And when we mention the word life, we're, we're referring to the Greek word zoe, which refers to the life of God, the indestructible life of God that came into us when we believed into Christ. Now, what's so marvelous is Romans 8 shows us that Christ, as the spirit of life, comes into us and he dispenses himself as life into our whole being. 
Firstly, Romans 8.10 tells us that our spirit is life. When Christ, as the Spirit, comes into our spirit, our spirit becomes zoe. Then Romans 8.6 says, the mind set on the Spirit is life. When we set our mind on the Spirit in our spirit, our mind becomes zoe. Then as we open to the Lord and allow him to make his home in our being, Romans 8.11 says that the Spirit gives zoe to our mortal bodies. This is absolutely wonderful. This makes us men of zoe. So this is the fourfold riches of the indwelling Spirit. This shows us that God's purpose is to dispense himself as life into us to make us men of life. This is an amazing section, isn't it, Ed? Yes, it's remarkable, really remarkable. Let's return to Witness Lee for more of this life study. Verse 7. Because the mind set on the flesh is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. This verse is rather too strong to show us not only our flesh is a hopeless case, even our mind, if it is set on our flesh, is also a hopeless case. Anything that is one with our flesh, it becomes hopeless. Our flesh is hopeless. Don't think you can sanctify your flesh. You can never improve your flesh a bit. God has made the definite decision that the flesh has to go. Because it is utterly corrupted. You know why God used the flood to judge that generation? just because that generation became flesh. God said, let it go. I have to put it fully under my judgment. And that judgment of the flood was a judgment over the flesh. Never talk that your flesh today is better than the flesh you had before you got saved. Whether you got saved, whether you have not got saved, I tell you, the flesh remains the flesh. The flesh is the flesh. Even the mind set upon the flesh is also enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. There's no possibility. Verse 8, And those who are in the flesh cannot Please, God. Don't say your flesh today is a good flesh. Whether that's a good flesh or a bad flesh, the flesh cannot please God. Then verse 9. Phrase R. In many verses of the New Testament, I like this word, but. But. Hallelujah for but. Oh, we do have such a word, but. But. You are not in the flesh. Don't say that today you have a good flesh, that you are in a good flesh. That is wrong. You are not in the flesh. Don't try to remain there. That had been condemned. 
And the flesh is totally, wholly, thoroughly condemned by God. Don't stay there. Why you like to be there and argue that your flesh today is good? Whether good, bad, but now condemned. It's condemned. Hallelujah. But you are not in the flesh. Another but. But in the spirit. Wonderful. Wonderful. Ed, in light of this word, I'd like to ask you an experiential question. One of the most discouraging things in the Christian life for most people, I think, is that even right after we have gotten something from the Lord or have had a real experience of Him, in other words, when we're on a spiritual high, we can often get caught in a discouraging failure or sin. Is this due to the absolute hopeless condition of the flesh that Witness Lee describes? Yes, Chris, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked this question because all of us believers need to realize that our flesh is a hopeless case. No matter how much we grow in life, no matter how long we've been a Christian, even no matter we may have a high spiritual experience, that does not change the nature of our flesh. Our flesh is hopeless. Our flesh never improves. We can be transformed in our soul, but we will always have the flesh with us until our bodies are transfigured and glorified. Now, I would just like to mention to our listeners, our flesh, we can say this, is the meeting hall of sin, death, and Satan. That's a terrible meeting hall. We do not want to be in that meeting hall. But praise the Lord, there's another meeting hall in our being. And that's our human spirit. Our human spirit is the meeting hall of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we don't want to, we don't want to be in the flesh. We need to realize that, that the flesh does have a positive aspect. The flesh helps us and forces us to turn to our spirit where the Lord dwells. Day by day, moment by moment, we need to pray, Lord, keep me in my spirit where you are. Keep me in you. I want to live in you. I want to abide in you. I want to walk according to the Spirit. I want to stay away from this terrible meeting hall of sin, death, and Satan and remain in my spirit, the wonderful meeting hall of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit where I can dwell and where I can live so that, can, so that Christ can be expressed from within me. So we need to realize the flesh is a hopeless case, but we have a wonderful hope in our spirit that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And until the day when we put off this earthly tabernacle, the flesh it remains with us and is never changed or altered. I believe that's what you just told us. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Let's return to Witness Lee for the final portion of today's life study. We are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God makes home in you. Yes, you are in the spirit, but there is a condition. What is the condition? The condition is, if indeed the spirit of God uh, takes large in you. Yes, today you got saved, but I doubt whether the Spirit of God really takes large in you. 
And this is why, though you got saved, yet you are still not in the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God <laughs> is there in you, but couldn't make his home in you. You know, <laughs> I may be in your home, but I am just a five-minute guest, a temporary guest, maybe a whole-day guest, but I couldn't get myself settled there. The Spirit of God today is in you, but he couldn't have the room to dwell in you. He is a guest, not a dweller. You see, the condition is this, that the Spirit of God has to take his lodge in you. If the Spirit of God doesn't have this much room in you for him to lodge in you, surely you are still in the flesh, not in the Spirit. Is this clear? Yes. There's another but. But if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of him. And this means what? This means a little gracious. You see, you may be disappointed. My, oh, the Spirit of God doesn't have a lodge in me, so I'm through. Don't say this. Uh -huh. The Spirit of God does not dwell in you, but you do have the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is in you. This is all times. But the Spirit of God dwells in you or not, it is a conditional matter. Then, verse 11. And if Christ is in you, so after the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of Christ. And after the Spirit of Christ, you have Christ himself. Doesn't this indicate or prove that Christ is just the Spirit of Christ? Sure it does. We have to admit this. So you see, even here, we have a proof that Christ is the Spirit. And if Christ is in you, I like this. I really like this. This is not a small thing. You have to underline the circle, Christ in you. Christ is in you. <laughs> in chapter 3, where was Christ? Christ was on the cross, shedding his blood, doing the redemption. Then in chapter 4, my Christ is in resurrection. Quite good. But in chapter 8, Christ is right in you. In chapter 6, we were in Christ. But in chapter 8, Christ is in us. See, to be in Christ is one thing. To have Christ in us is another thing. Something further. Abide in me. This is the first then let me abide in you. And this is second. His abiding in us depends upon ours abiding in him. You see, our abiding in him brings his abiding in us. To be in Christ is a term, a condition. 
for Christ to be in us. Hallelujah. I say again. At this last section post, I thought a very profound thought. Yes, we are saved. But are we really in spirit? And the answer to that question seems to be fully determined by whether or not we have allowed Christ to make his home in us. What is the relationship, Ed, between our being in him and him having his home in us? Yes, uh, the first thing we need to see is that in Romans 6, Romans 6 reveals that when we believe into Christ, we are in Christ. That is a wonderful fact that all of us need to see, that as believers in Christ, we are in Christ. But when we come to Romans 8, verse 10 says that Christ is in you. And Brother Lee said on the broadcast, and we want to emphasize this again, this is a marvelous statement, Christ is in you. When you believe in Christ, you need to realize now Christ is in you. There's a wonderful person living in you. So we're in Christ. Christ is in us. But verse 9 goes on to say, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. This word for dwells means makes home or resides in you. If we're going to be those who are in the Spirit, we need to allow the Spirit of God to make his home in us, to reside in us. But we need to ask the question, are we allowing him to make his home in us? And I would just like to encourage all the listeners and all of us believers that as believers, we need to do, I would say we need to take care of two basic things. Number one, we need to love the Lord Jesus with our whole being. We need to love him to the uttermost. Every day we need to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And Lord, constrain me with your love that I might love you with your love. Increase my love for you. And then the second thing we need to do day by day is we need to open our entire being to him without reservation. Every day, even right now, as you're driving the car, I don't know where you are. You may be in the kitchen. You're listening to this broadcast. I would encourage you right now to pray, Lord Jesus, I'd like to open my entire being to you without reservation. I want you to come into me right now to fill me, to saturate me, to make your home in me. Because why? Because we are vessels made to contain God, to be filled with God, and to be saturated with God so that he can be expressed from within us. When we allow the Spirit of God to make his home in us in such a way, we are people who are living in the Spirit. This is the distinction between our being in him and his having his home in us. And this is quite marvelous. I hope all of us would open our being without reservation to him to allow the Spirit of God to make his home in our whole being. Yet as you were praying that short prayer, it probably reminded a number of our listeners of a salvation gospel prayer. And in a sense, it was. And we know that as we are saved, we are saved once for all. But we really need to be saved in his life in this way every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this was a wonderful broadcast today, Ed. I really appreciate your fellowship. Thank you for being involved. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to the next broadcast. So am I. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website 
lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.